Hey everyone, welcome back to Dr. D's Social Network Podcast. Today we have a third time guest. I'm not sure, I don't think so. After looking through my archive of all of my podcast episodes, I don't think anyone's been on three times. But now we have a third time person. And that person is Dr. Haley Roberts. Uh, Dr. Roberts and I, I think, have a very good rapport on air and... I think we talk about some really interesting topics. This time is certainly no different. We cover a variety of things from cancel culture, ghosting, um, how you say things, just a variety of things going on, the normalization of lying. I think it's rich with a lot of different material. And uh, you'll hear me rant a little bit. I don't rant much on here, but I definitely get in a couple rants, so bear with me. But I hope you guys enjoy it, uh, the time I have with Dr. Haley Roberts. Haley Roberts. Yay. Hey, Haley. Third time's a charm. Third time is a charm. We're kind of on a <laughs> quarterly basis here with yeah. having you on. I'm loving you know. it. Because, you Keep know, life is part. changing always. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Especially this year. I mean, always, but especially this year. What's going on with 2020? I mean, crazy. I know. Well, when something called murder hornets are the least exciting news, you just know that it's quite a year. That's in my state, Washington State, and actually in my town, specifically in Blaine. That's where murder hornets are. No way. Yeah, that's my town, Blaine, where I'm at right now. Murder are they Hornet as capital. scary as they sound? I've never seen one. I don't oh. know where these supposed murder hornets are. <laughs> <laughs> They've, they're hiding in human flesh. That's what they're doing. They're like oh, aliens. no. No, that's so weird. That's so weird. <laughs> We spoke about sci-fi last time. We don't need to talk about it this time. <laughs> You're like, can you please avoid talking about sci-fi? <laughs> I brought it up. That's funny. <laughs> so you've been uh, busy, uh, apparently, huh? Yeah, I have. I um, about uh, probably about a month ago now. There was definitely a burst in people looking for. Um, for therapy. And so my practice has been booming lately, which is, um, lovely for me professionally. Tell me a little bit why you think that is, I mean, I, I have some ideas, but in your estimation, why that's happened. Yeah. So I think what happened was like when COVID hit, everybody was kind of prepared to like outlast it for a bit. Right. Um, yeah. And Immediately, it was like, oh, this new lifestyle is concerning. So there was a boom then in people being like, I just kind of want support through the next, you know, month or two. Mm -hmm. um, and then suddenly it was three months and then four months. And I think then people were like, oh, wait a minute. Like this might be not necessarily a new normal, but a new normal for now. And I was prepared to handle it for a couple months, but now it's turning into a lot of months. So I think I need a little mm -hmm. bit of extra support. Um, and so I think that's kind of what led to the boom. Um, you know, like stress in relationships and things like that kind of hitting an all time high because people are always together all the time. Yeah, most definitely. My daughter told me that she's going to be nine this month. She goes, daddy, I love you, but I'm pretty tired of seeing you. <laughs> I get it. The feeling's kind of mutual, just so you know. <laughs> totally. 
you're like, yeah, I can't wait till you can hang out with your friends. <laughs> uh, man, you know, they, they we're doing remote uh, school. Mm-hmm. We were going to have a hybrid deal where one week on, one week, week off, but then they backed off and said it's going to be uh, just all remote. And it like crushed my daughter. It crushed her. We had to have like a big talk about it. She was so upset about it. You know? Yeah. Well, especially at that Our age. times. Like- School is more just about friends than actual school. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough conversation. You know, we took a walk. We were picking some berries. It's kind of berry picking mm-hmm. season out this way. It's beautiful yeah. weather. And I, yeah, and I was just like, you know, you know, we're going to have each other. We're going to help each other. We're going to be in this. One day this will be different. But for right now, we're just going to, we're just going to be in it together, you know, yeah. and you know, it's for tough now, for you're going to have to see old, more of me more often. <laughs> you have to see me all the time, all the time. And my life's you, been the same, though, really, you know? Totally. I, I feel similarly, other than doing therapy in an office, I'm now doing it from my home. And um, that's kind of the only thing that's really changed for me. How do you feel about kind of having a bigger role in being like a teacher for your daughter? Uh, man, I think a lot of parents are struggling with this because like for me, my life spot, my lifestyle has been set for the past two and a half years. I've been doing my live virtual business and Mm -hmm. my spa fitness consulting business. So it's more like their lives have impacted mine because Uh I've been at home. I've been used to being at home for years now. So I got the rhythm, but my Mm -hmm. wife teaches at the community college, but it's all online now. Then my daughter's all online. So like I see them a lot. They're kind of in, impacting my day, the yeah. whole thing. So, but being a teacher, I would say it's probably pretty, it's pretty hard because I, uh, there's days like I really am into it. And there's days I like, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be honest. That's probably how she feels. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of like the first version of this, like 1.0 back in the spring was, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't done very well by our school system and they know it, they know it. Yeah. And so basically the parents were the teachers for spring all the way to the end of the school year. Yeah. And this year, like starting this school year coming up, I'm hopeful that I'm not in that role because I mean, what's the point of school then if I'm doing it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So like, then I'll take I don't know. On it's, that's been an adjustment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would never do homeschooling. I know there's people who like, that's what they've been doing most of their life. But like, I'm totally, for me, it's totally would never be a thing. I would never want to do it if you gave me options. Never. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't yet have children, but I think about that as an option. Sometimes I'm like, that could be kind of cool. But then I'm like, yeah, but then it's also your responsibility all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're at home. And I think, you know, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people who have, been, I've heard of many people who have done it f- forever. You know, like mm-hmm. when I was growing up, there were some kids I knew that did it, but it was always like not many kids. It was like a couple, you know, yeah. and I don't know how that is currently, but like if times were just like neutral and they were like, you can either do this or go to school, I would totally make sure my daughter went to school. I think she needs to have her own life outside of us. Uh-huh. Where we don't see her. She gets to do her own things, has these conversations with other kids that I don't know about. 
yeah. you know, and they laugh and joke. And uh, I just don't, I just think I, I valued that when I was growing up that I was not around my parents all the time and I was having my own independent life, you know? Mm-hmm. I definitely think that's a really important piece to homeschooling, which is a life separate from um the parents. Um, and that can look like different things, right? It can look like friend groups or, you know, those families who travel the world, um, together. Yeah. The kids, even though it's with the parents, they have this world of experience outside of school that allows them to like build, um, their own ideas of what things look like. And I think that's really important. There's this Ted talk. It's either a Ted talk or a TEDx talk, but It was a kiddo who was about 14 um, and it's about what he called school hacking. Um, And basically he realized that like traditional school was fine, but it like wasn't, he wasn't interested in learning and he wanted to be interested in learning. And so they created, like he started a homeschooling program, but it would be things like, his math tutor would go skiing with him and they'd talk about like angles and um, how to like figure out math problems with real world skiing examples and things like that. Um, Which I was like, that's kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Actually, I think regular school is pretty boring. Honestly, I think it's like, I think it's not set up well at all for kids to be like independent thinkers and have different ideas. Like, you know, when somebody says, oh, I just wasn't good at school. I would say, no, you weren't good at the way school was set up Mm -hmm. for the way it's generally like pretty much pretty similar. Or it can be a little more diverse if you're like at a private school and there's more funding and stuff. But generally, it's kind of a assembly line situation. And uh, it should, I don't think it should be that way. You know, I think it should be a little more like more life skills uh, relate. Like Uh there should be like classes in high school about like how to like, you know, the manage social media, you know, do, you know, yeah. Do your taxes, fiscal responsibility, actually Mm -hmm. learning how to cook. Like we need to go backwards a little bit and have home ec again, call it something else. I don't know. Yeah. I think home ec and like, like woodshop class totally needs oh to come my out. i loved woodshop when i was in high school loved it yeah and things like loved how to change it. a tire and check your oil things like yeah. that yes you know skills. like we just but we're pushing kids into like everything is stem you know science technology engineering math i mean mm-hmm. from last i heard only like seven percent of the population goes into these jobs so it's like why is this such a huge emphasis When like Mm -hmm. most people I knew growing up literally could not cook. They did not know how to feed themselves. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy to me. I I remember my first or second year in college there, I had a friend who was like, can you come show me how to do my laundry? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, are you serious? Yeah. And then I was like, your parent, and he had very, um, well, I don't know how involved they were, but he had very affluent parents. So I'm, you know, it's not that they were working five jobs and couldn't, you know, take the Mm -hmm. time to show him how to do it. Um, but I was like, your parents let you go off to live on your own without knowing how to do your laundry. Like, (laughs) 
did they think you would pay someone to do it? Like what, what, what did they think was going to happen? It was shocking to me. (laughs) I I wonder how frequent that is now. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I was, I mean, now it's getting further and further away from when I was in college, but that was like 15 years ago, um, 13 years ago. So like, wasn't super long ago. Um, but I remember the year or the summer before my brother um, left for college, my mom kind of just being like, just making sure that you know how to like boil water for spaghetti and do laundry. Like just making sure you know how to do those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did not know. How to, I don't know. Those are like basic things you got to know how to do. And, you know, I mean, you think, yeah, that's on the parents. They should teach them. But there should be stuff like that in school if your parents, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of uh, parents who are working two jobs, things yeah. of that nature. I think we just assume that like parents are going to pick up, give their kids all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Honestly, obviously, you know, from your profession, I mean, there's a lot of adults who do not have their stuff together. They really don't. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're just trying to get a, survive their own lives mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to teach somebody else stuff is difficult. So I think like the school system has got off this whole thing where like, oh, you know, you learn how to cook on your own or your parents to teach that. Oh, you know, you learn about money or mm-hmm. the pitfalls of, you know, the internet. Like we need like better, better options for teaching people how to navigate the internet, the pitfalls and stuff. Like we, you know, you can't rely on your parents to teach you that stuff. Come on. Yeah. No, I completely agree. The parents it, are addicts what, too on social media. The, Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't speak because I have a level of that, too. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) I just the number of times that I will like close an app and then open it like immediately. I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, it's such a habit that I don't even realize that I've just closed it and then reopened it immediately. I'm trying to be better about that. (laughs) Okay, Um, I want to know your opinion on this. Yeah. Now, what do you think is the long-term ramifications of our pretty much collective addiction to our smartphones and, you know, scrolling and surfing and all this stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think about this a lot because um, being in a position where I work with teenagers and kids, um, it kind of keeps me a little bit um, young at heart, I guess, or like, um, engaged in kind of the, the young culture. Um, but it also, I realize like how old I am sometimes. Um, but so I was actually listening to a podcast and, um, they were kind of making fun of Snapchat and they were saying like, nobody is forming like meaningful relationships on Snapchat. Like if you think that's how this is going, you're like kidding yourself. And I realized like they are picturing Snapchat the way it was used when it first came out, which I completely agree there. It was all about like disappearing connect, like disappearing things right away. Now the kids use Snapchat more often for texting than they actually use texting. Um, and I'm stuck between the, like these online momentary disappearing kind of 
ethereal ways of communicating to me kind of seem disconnected, Mm -hmm. but also in some ways, like they're giving these kids more chance to connect. Um, And so I kind of feel stuck between the two, which is, you know, are we going to turn out like the movie Wally or, (laughs) or is it going to, you know, go the opposite direction. Cause I also, when I worked at a school, um, last year or two years ago, um, when we would take the kids down for like the annual or the monthly like birthday celebration in the cafeteria, we would have their phones with us cause they were allowed to have them at lunch, but we wouldn't give them the phones. And nine times out of 10, they wouldn't ask for them. They would just kind of hang out with each other. Um, So I'm like kind of stuck between this, like we're still humans and we still really want to connect on a natural human level. Um, But also like, I don't think getting rid of technology is bad either. I don't know. That was a long answer for me to say, I don't know. (laughs) You said a lot there, you know. (laughs) My mind is uh, like, I'm of two minds when it comes to technology. I both think it's wonderful and I hate it. I actually in the same way. I, I feel like I've had this conversation a lot over the years, but you know, it becomes more nuanced and it, it grows because... I've had a lot of success in in connecting with wonderful people I never would have connected with mm-hmm. if I didn't have all this access. Yeah. But it's kind of like a it's kind of like Star Wars. It's kind of like a it's like the dark side and like uh-huh. the the force, you know, it's it's kind of like it's like it's Vader versus Luke Skywalker. Itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, not the technology. The technology. How you use it. Yes. And I think people are wielding the force. Depends <laughs> on how you wield it. You know, like I personally don't care about like all that stuff, Snapchat and TikTok and all that. It's it's not on my yeah. radar really. But, because I think these things, these things are very much like you get on one thing and then it leads to another thing and then that becomes defunct. And then there's another one that comes along and it's just like, it's too much. And I think in life, you have to pick certain things and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I want to get good at this. It's hard to be good at like 29 things that you're on. You know? Yeah. And, but like you can use it for good if you mm-hmm. decide to do that. But sometimes I think that's hard for people is to say, hey, I'm going to be very positive, kind, and loving. I'm going to focus on that. If they're not mm-hmm. getting that adrenaline hit of, clicks and follows and all this mm-hmm. attention sometimes being good is boring to people and so they want this salacious content and i think that's what i i have fought for a long time and i just accepted i was like you know what i don't really care if nobody looks at my stuff i just want that i use i say on linkedin i want to be a good representation of myself and that is a person who wants to be mm-hmm. positive caring and kind and that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm curating. That's what I'm about. doesn't matter what that leads to on some yeah. clickbait level. It's just, I need to be myself, you know? Yeah. I often say to my, um, my patients, um, engage in the world the way that you want it to look. Um, or I'll say, engage in the relationship the way that you want it to look. Um, and basically what that means is, 
you can't control what other people do. You can't control how other people react to you. All you can control within a relationship or within the world is your behavior. So if you want a world where people make plans and they stick to the plans, then the only thing that you have control over is making plans and sticking to them yourself. And then hoping that people meet you there. Um, but I think it pops up a lot in our world with, um, with technology, which is we like, we don't make plans or it's easy to like ghost people personally or professionally, you know, it's, Uh. it's easy to just like not be there. Um, and so oftentimes what we'll do, and this is actually like it's historical to even pre-technology. It's just like now in technology, it's easier to do. But the whole idea of like playing hard to get, right, is um, uh. I'm afraid that he's not going to be interested in me. So because of that, I'm going to pretend to not be interested in him. And then it's like, well, what you want is connection. And all you have control over is your half of the relationship. And you're making sure that your half of the relationship is not connecting with him. So maybe he'll come after you. Like that's a possibility, but maybe he won't. Right. And at least you know, hundred percent know that the part that you have control over does not look the way that you want it to look. Hmm. Interesting. So essentially that ghosting has been around just in a different form of maybe playing hard to get. I didn't think about it that way. Before you like the ghosting was standing someone up at the restaurant, right? Yeah. Um, now it's standing someone up by simply just never responding to their message. Mm. Do you ever talk to anybody about this? Like counsel people on ghosting? I got to tell you, like, I don't get too worked up about a lot of things, but it drives mm-hmm. me insane. That whole thing drives me so insane. I'm like, you know, I mean, you could just say I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, I'm like, or I don't want to do this. But the like the lack of response is mind blowing, especially with knowing that you have so many options of ways to respond to people. Mm-hmm. So yes, I talk about this all the time. <laughs> um oh, okay. and what it kind of comes down to again is the like engage in the world the way that you want it to look. So the number of times people would say like, oh, I just wish people were really direct with me and just told me like that they're not interested. And then I'll say, hmm, that's interesting because the last person that you were dating, you told them like, oh, I'm busy. I'll get back to you soon. And then you never got back to them. <laughs> Seems like the person you have control over is also not doing the thing that you want the world to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so often happens because it's scary to do something that's different. Like it's, it's vulnerable, um, to do something that's different. Um, you know, to, to reach out to someone and say like, Hey, I had a great time. I'm just not interested is 
hard. Like it, that takes a lot of like bravery to do that. So it's easier to just not respond, especially in a world where people say, yeah, but that's just the way we do it now. We, you know, like ghosting is just how it happens now. And I'm like, sure, but you don't have to, you don't have to be a part of that. Like if, if you hate it so much, why would you engage in it? Um, and usually the answer is comfort. Huh? You know, what's interesting. What about the other way where somebody reaches out to you? Like they actually want to engage in let's, let's call it on this instance, like a business thing. And so they engage you on business and then you get back to them and then they never get back to you. I find that Mm -hmm. really strange. That's really strange. Like you reached out to me. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That has happened to me, um, a bunch as well. Um, I think kind of, it's the same kind of thing, which is you can't control what other people do and it's frustrating and it's annoying. Um, all you can control is how you react to things or how you act in spite of things. So, you know, in that kind of situation, you can either reach out again and say like, Hey, are you still interested? And then if nothing be like, okay, great. Or, you know, you can kind of be like, well, I'll, I'm here when you want to reach out. Um, but yeah, I also find that very frustrating, both personally and professionally. Like, Hey, we should do something awesome. I'm free next weekend. And then you never hear anything. You're like, okay, like, what is great. that? No, seriously. What's the mindset behind that? Is it like, I'm putting out a feeler just to see, like, I'm curious your point of view, like why even do that? Why even put it out there? So everything I say will just be a guess because that's oh, not yeah, how I approach the world. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think, I think what it is, is unless somebody is being like manipulative for some weird reason, I think what it is, is they, they want to reach out. And so they do, but we also live in this world where like, we're not really, people aren't really committal. Like they're pretty non-committal and they kind of, it's, One of my biggest pet peeves is this like emphasis or like importance that's placed on being busy. Um, And so I think people are kind of like, oh, well, I just, I meant to get back to them, but I got busy. Um, Oh my God. And so I think that's kind of what happens is people put like, I'm going to start over. I don't think people do things with intention anymore. I think people do things just to do things. And what then ends up happening is they reach out because it's important to them to reach out, but then they get busy doing everything else and they easily forget about reaching out because it wasn't done with enough intention to make it obvious or salient. Um, whereas if someone said like, I'm going to reach out to Darian because it's important to me to reach out to him, then suddenly that intention has created meaning behind the reaching out and it's not going to just get forgotten and it's not just going to disappear because that intention has created like an obvious salient place. Now that being said, we make like people make mistakes, right? Like I've yeah, reached out to people with the intention of getting back to them. And then someone calls me and while I'm on the call, I read their response and then I forget that I read it. Um, 
But if I'm doing that nine times out of 10, then it's not a mistake. Then it's, I'm not exactly. doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it kind of like, dep- like, I think some people also like, don't care. Like I, for me being really meaningful and intentional and, um, the word that I hate authentic, um, in I know you don't like that word. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like, that's really important to me. Um, like I say what I mean and I try to mean what I say the majority of the time. And, um, but I like, that's not important to other people and that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be, everybody gets to decide what their own values are. It's true. You know what, you know what I found for the audience? This is, this is a gem and not really actually, but honestly, if you do this, you'll probably, you'll probably get ahead. Like if you just get back to people quickly and you do that Mm -hmm. regularly, people Mm -hmm. will think you are nuts. They will think that you're like the best thing ever because you actually get back to people. I can't tell you how many people have told me, wow, that was quick. You really, Mm -hmm. wow, you, you got back to me. You're always on time. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're praising me for being on time and getting back to you. What does that uh-huh. say about the people in your life? That 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 is such a rare quality. It's actually really yeah. discouraging that that seems extraordinary to people. Absolutely. One of my like um top values in running my practice is that sessions um start on time and end on time. Um and the reason I do that is because what I'm saying by doing that is I value your time. I honor your time. Um, because I can't tell you how many like doctor's appointments I've gone to and my appointments at two 30 and I'm still there at three, like haven't been seen by anyone. And I'm like, I planned other things, you know? So the, the importance of someone being like your appointments at two 30 and it starts at two 30 is like, like, awesome. It's kind of the bare minimum, but it also becomes so much more meaningful when it's not, it's not what people are doing. I'm telling you, it's like you're doing normal behavior is extraordinary. Now I've had this conversation so many times. I'm like, you don't even have to be special. All you have to do is Mm -hmm. do the basic things really well. And you will Mm -hmm. seem to be like superhuman in today's society. Yep. Seriously, I, you get back to somebody no, I, on time, you follow back with them. You know what I do? I call I I contact people regularly. I get back, "Hey Haley, how's it doing after a month or two, right?" You, uh-huh. And you get that from me every couple months. You know, I check back in yeah. with people. I'm on time with people. You would think my that my head had been cut off and people saw a ghost. I can't believe you do this stuff. I, I'm just like, I didn't grow up like this, man. <laughs> like that's this is so like funny. normal when I was growing up. What is going on today? Yeah. You know, Absolutely. And that's so interesting because um, for me, it's never felt strange that you reach out, but I'm also the kind of person that people have said, like the way that you manage to keep touch with people is so interesting to me. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That is so interesting. One thing that I do want to say is kind of a caveat to like getting back to people quickly or consistently is also, it's also important to have personal boundaries, right? So 
sometimes what will happen to someone is like, oh, I have to get back to somebody quickly. No, if they email you at nine at night, quickly can be nine tomorrow morning. Of course. Um, of course. Yeah. So I think that's um, kind of also important to recognize is that any kind of anything that you value, you need to hold with like loose um, hands. Um, because if you squeeze it too hard, it loses its value. Oh, yeah. You know what I always experience is like people getting back to me like weeks after I contact them. Yeah. I'm like, what happened in the, that week or two weeks? Yeah. You know, like it's or people like I tell my wife this. I'm like, you know, if you get texts, you cannot answer them if you're not ready to like if you don't have a system in order to remind yourself to get back. Like you just have to let that little green dot be what it is. I know it's tempting to want to look at it or whatever. I'm like, but uh -huh. like if you're planning to look at it, then you have to have a plan to respond at some point, you know, and have a system to get, you know, like reminder. Like me, I I never look at texts when they come up unless I know I have the time to get back to them. And if I mm -hmm. do, then I put it on my email because I'm on my email a lot. Write a note. Hey, get back to Haley uh, by uh -huh. tomorrow. And so I have a system that always reminds me or my email says my email has a alert reminder. So it sends alerts to me about notes that I've written, things like yeah. that. So I, mm -hmm. I never miss stuff because I have systems that back up my behavior as well. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. my experience talking with people is there's no system. It's like, well, I just accidentally, I looked at it and then other things happen. And I just, you know, I'm sorry. Yep. You know, type of thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, build it. You need to have a system for getting back to, I'm sorry. This is like a big pet peeve of mine. Like my business partner, it, he, he gets, he laughs at me so hard. He's like, this is like your thing. I was like, I don't know. I'm not expecting magic, but I'm expecting like, seriously, like, <laughs> yeah, don't lose, don't lose me in, in the, in the ether of your life, you know? Yeah. One thing that I will say that I have noticed with, um, people who, have this same kind of idea of um, connection or getting back or things like that is um, also trying to remember that different people have different um, perceptions of things. So if you, for instance, reached out to me and said, Hey, Haley, just letting you know, I'm thinking of you. I likely would respond like, Hey, thanks. That's nice to hear. However, a message like that does not necessarily demand a response from everyone. So some people might say like, oh, that's a nice statement. Awesome. And then not respond because there was no like demanded response from that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I have found with people that sometimes they'll, it, it happens a lot with like young adults in, um, like dating, um, like apps and things like that, where they'll say something like, um, you know, he said hi and asked me what I was doing. So I said I was going to a restaurant and then he didn't respond. And it was like, okay, maybe he tried to like read into what your message was saying. And maybe he felt that you saying you were going to the restaurant was a brush off, right? If you wanted a response, um, why didn't you follow up and ask him what he was doing? Or um, 
you know, communicate in a way that clearly states, I want a response from you. Um, because so often people are trying to figure out what the other person is thinking and <laughs> making their decisions off of that rather than making their decisions off of, well, what do I want out of this situation? No, I totally, I totally get that. That's, and it makes, that's a good point. I just think it's funny when somebody asks you for something and they don't get back to you. That's like the weirdest oh, thing. Seriously. <laughs> I feel like I that's look. literally like the strangest behavior for wanting something. Yeah. I want something. Oh yeah. I'll talk to you about it. Ghost. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> like, yep. wait totally. a minute. I want <laughs> like, this is crazy. Yeah. This woman asked me to be on her podcast and I was like, great. Like, when would you like me to do it? And she's like, um, I've got these open slots this week. Like, which one do you want? And so I was like, great. Thursday at two works for me. Um, and I never heard back from her. And then Thursday morning came and I was like, Hey, just double checking that this is confirmed. Nothing. I heard nothing back. And then like Tuesday, the next week, she was like, sorry, I got busy. And I was like, I'm doing you a favor. <laughs> what is like, this? What? Busy. See, there goes the busy thing. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, no, there's so what? much. Um, I noticed that when I was in grad school was there was so much honor and being like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed out. Um, <laughs> and being the like anarchist that I am, I would I kind of was like, I refuse to be a part of you know, glorifying stress and busyness. So when people ask me how I am, I'm not going to be like, I'm so stressed out unless there's something specific that I'm stressed out about. And then I'll say, I'm stressed out about the paper I have due tomorrow rather than just making it like this general state of being yeah. that's glorified. So weird. I never got that. I'm like, is it attention seeking behavior? Is it like, oh, I'm so stressed out. Look at me. Look how hard I'm working. Look at my life. It's so busy, you know? Uh -huh. I don't know. I think it's, um, so first of all, it's a very um, US American thing. Because um, like in Spain and Mexico, like they're all like, no, it's siesta time. I'm not doing anything. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of it is they're, it kind of comes from that um, kind of like 1950s kind of like, you know, wow, look at the Joneses. They, you know, have, he has this job and he's getting promoted and they own a house and their kids are going to soccer practice. And, um, and it started out just those kind of like five things, but then that idea of like, wow, look at what they're doing and try to keep up with them just meant like do more and more and more and more. Um, and so the idea of saying like, oh my gosh, my family is so busy. Lucy has soccer and Tyler has hockey and, you know, John just got a promotion and suddenly like saying like, look at all these things that are going on became kind of a status symbol. Um, and especially in grad school, it's, there's, it's glorified that like, oh gosh, school, grad school is so hard. And so therefore it's so important to be stressed out all the time. And I agree, grad school is very hard and it's very stressful, but the, why we glorify the stress of it, that I do not know. You know what? I remember like when I was uh, in grad school and then 
was first starting out at my career, you know, there'd be statements like, oh, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm working like 90 hours a week. I remember thinking, why is this a thing? This seems very uh -huh. unhealthy to me. Like, but then we hold people up who are like maniacal workers, like, oh, you need to have the work ethic of this person and stuff. I, I'm like, I, I just, I don't think so. I'm like, that person's yeah. going to crash and burn at some, th these are not your gurus, man. I'm serious. They're, they are not. And um, I think not we got a real problem. No, <laughs> I don't know why there would be any biases, honestly, like, because I, I remember reading an article one time about this, all these CEOs who work a hundred hours a week. And I'm like, you know, you, you realize if you read through that article, if you're doing a hundred hours of work a week, you have given mm -hmm. up other parts of your life. So if you have a family, kiss that goodbye, pretty much. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't serve all these masters. You know, like it's, yeah. th that thing is you've become subservient to the thing that you think makes you powerful. It owns you, you know, your mm -hmm. work. And a lot of people's work, it owns them. It completely owns them. And they think that they own it, but it actually owns them. Yep. It is mm -hmm. running them ragged. It is controlling their movements and how they live in the world. Like if somebody asks me what I'm doing over the weekend, a lot of times my answer is nothing. I've been yeah. working during the week. I don't want to do other stuff. I want to relax. You know what I'm doing? I'm going to go drink some beer. I'm going to go set out at the beach and look at the water. Like I, I've been working. I don't need to do more, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I think what it boils down to is kind of asking yourself, like, what does a valued life look like for me? And I think for some people, like, working towards the next promotion or more money or a new product or something like that. Like that's something they value. That's something that's really important to them. And as long as it's not getting in the way of them living a valued life, like go for it for me, like freedom and like the ability to travel when I want to travel and um, spend time with my family when I want to spend time with my family, like, that's more important to me. And so you're not going to find me working a hundred hours a week because I just don't care about working that much. Um, but I will be spending a hundred hours on a bunch of different things, um, that I find valuable, you know, listening to comedy podcasts or, um, taking classes and spending time with my family, things like that. And not ghosting people, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. I am. I actually had a conversation with a friend this past weekend, and the number of times he said, "You said that," <laughs> made me laugh. And I was like, "Of course I said that. That's what I was thinking, and you know what I wanted an answer for. If I want an answer for something, I'm going to ask the question." That's very straightforward. <laughs> very reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's. Go ahead. I think there's a way to be straightforward that you're going to get a more um, valued answer. Um, so like sometimes people think being straightforward is being like um, kind of aggressive about it. And that's not necessarily the case. Like you can be straightforward in a playful way or be straightforward in a compassionate way or things like that. And I think sometimes our mind makes us think that there's only one option. 
Yeah, it's interesting you said that. I'm going to come back to my other thing. I'm going to scrap what I was going to ask you. I'm going to come back to, I'm going to go to this because, see, I I think it's also kind of regional in some sense with that because like Mm -hmm. I've grown up all around the United States and in, in Europe. And I noticed when I lived on the East Coast, especially in the Northeast, uh, directness, I would say, took on much more of a, a aggressive tone for that. Yep. So it would be more like um, it was intimidation, almost like, hey, let me come here. Come here. We need to talk about this. And then it was a very direct, uh, almost threatening sense of directness. And mm-hmm. it, it, I never liked that. It's like, okay, you want to get something done by intimidation and fear. I'm like, you may get something done, but in the end, they're not doing it because they want to do it and they want to help you. You're just causing fear and panic in a person. You know, there's no loyalty in that. And so some people's aggressive behavior towards directness is, is like, it's just what they learned. It's growing up in an environment where that everybody was kind of a jerk to each other about being, mm-hmm. you know, and versus other, so that's why you get like this whole thing, like people on the East Coast generally are stereotyped as being very direct and aggressive, especially in that part of the East Coast. And then people on the West Coast are considered stereotypically, they consider them to be very laid back, uh, almost hippie-like, uh, uh-huh. passive in nature. When, you know, both, there are some people, yes, on both sides of that, but then other people live in those places that also aren't like that too. But absolutely. My experience has actually kind of been very true to w- the stereotypical aspects of it in my observation for it. You know? uh-huh. Definitely. And there's definitely a cultural um, piece to it. Like the time that I spent in Boston, I remember I got off the bus one day and I said, thank you to the bus driver. I was like, thank you. And I got the dirtiest look I have no. ever gotten in my entire life. And I was like, that's not a thing Geez. in Boston. No. Yeah. I was like, did I just like threaten your like ancestors? Like what just happened? <laughs> like, why did I get that look? Um, and I, um, like told my brother and he was like, she was probably just confused. Like she probably wasn't angry. She was probably just confused as to like what she had done that you were thanking her for. And I was like her job, I don't know, being a decent human. (laughs) Um, and it's, so there's definitely a cultural piece. I, um, continued to thank people because that's important to me, but I changed the way that I did it. It would be more just like a thanks Right. And that's kind of just more culturally acceptable than a thank you, um, which is, you know, more, you know, West Coast or South or Midwest. Yeah. I mean, think about it. People have these ideas of how people behave in different Mm -hmm. parts of our country. Like, and you think people think Southern hospitality midwest Mm -hmm. values like you hear those things and you know what that means generally speaking west coast laid back east coast gridlock you know everybody you say those things you're like yeah yeah i get that when i'm in boston i need to learn how to drive like my life depends upon it because the cars are like (laughs) missiles and injecting and i have experienced that so much in boston i'm like i'm so nervous driving here (laughs) you have to like have already started driving right before the light turns green. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I had a guy oh, lose his yeah. mind on me one time. I was on a left 
uh, hand turn. It was like the sig, the light signal, and it was it was red. And this mm -hmm. guy was like honking at me, and I think I guess he knew like when the light was gonna go. I don't know, but he just went around me and ran the red light in a left hand turn, and I was like, uh -huh. "What is going on here?" And uh, and just talking to people I know, they're like, "Oh, that happens." Like you know, you have to be like an offensive driver in Boston because people are like use their cars as weapons, man. Yep. And my friends who ride their bikes around Boston, it's not like, have you ever been hit by a car? But it's how many times have you been hit by a car? And I'm just like, that's awful. Jeez Louise. That's not a life I want to live. Plus it's freezing in Boston. Oh my, in the winter, it's crazy cold. And it's so hot during the summer. Oh man, humid. Not and then no AC no. either. Yeah. Well, yeah. On the, the older homes, definitely. That's what I mean. Yeah. I was like, I yeah. have been in a lot. I'm like, wow, how do you survive this? <laughs> I know. I agree. I completely agree. I'm sorry, oh, Boston. So I've been there. There's some nice parts. I'm just saying, you know, it's. Well, I love being able to visit Boston. I've lived there twice. Both times I have been quite content to leave. <laughs> <laughs> You're so nice in how you say these things. I'm quite content <laughs> to leave. <laughs> um, I all, and I have family there who I like love and adore. And so people, the last time that I moved there um, was for my, um, my residency or my internship. And people were kind of like, at the end of this year, you're not going to want to leave. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as the year was over, I was like, family, I love you. I'm very sad to leave you. I will come visit. Goodbye. <laughs> well, think about it like this way. Like, I mean, at least I think about it. Like, if you th I don't, I don't know this research wise, but like migratory patterns, like and people moving, and obviously that's shifting currently. But I don't know anybody that tells me, you know, I'm planning on moving to New Jersey, like just yeah. out of the blue, or like, you know, like generally, I uh -huh. feel like those are places like you, you're there because you grew up there. You know, you're, uh -huh. it's, it's a place, it's fun. You have fond memories of it. You're there or you're going to college. Maybe you moved there because of college, but I, mm -hmm. I don't know anybody that's like, I, I, I'm going to New Jersey because I want to be in the parking lot of New York. I definitely want to be there. <laughs> like, have you, have you ever heard of anybody saying, I want to move to Cleveland, Ohio? Like that's because I really want to <laughs> be there. No, seriously. Like it's, most people but don't I, move to these places because they really want to. I mean, yeah. And I mean, there's some where people definitely you don't really hear very often. Um, but like for me, people who are like, oh, I can't wait to move to New York City. I'm like, oh, no, thank you. Mm -mm. But there's some people yeah, like that's people doing that. yeah. where they want to be. Well, New York is suffering, man. Like they're having massive exodus out of the city. I I know several oh, people yeah. who live there and they're selling their they're selling properties. They're like, everybody's getting out of the city. They're trying to get into the country, you know. But mm -hmm. I do but yeah, I I do. Uh, I have noticed known a lot of people who like want to go to New York City. Like they want to live there, they want to have that experience. But I don't think I've ever met anybody who's like, you know, I would like to move to Detroit. Like, yeah, I, no. You know what I mean? Like, there's just places, nobody's like aching to move to Biloxi, Mississippi, you know? Oh, but it is so pretty. It is, but like, who's like, you know what? I, I want to move to Jackson, Mississippi. I, yeah. I don't know. I Maybe it's just the people I've met, but like, I would guess like if you looked at the numbers, 
that people aren't people are moving to like Florida and stuff or California or oh, actually and people are moving out of California. <laughs> it's too expensive yeah. to live in California. Uh-huh. You know, but yeah. there's different places like you know, I don't I don't hear that to somebody is like, you know where I'm moving to Sioux Falls. That's where I'm going. You know, like a bunch of people. Sioux Falls. <laughs> what did um, you say? I said I have a friend from Sioux Falls, so it's funny that that's yeah. where you picked. <laughs> I don't know. I've been um, throwing it. I'm good with geography, you know that? I'm very good with geography. <laughs> I love that. Um, I also think it kind of depends on where you are and who you're talking to, right? Like you you're just kind of just outside Seattle, right? Yeah, I'm right on the border of Canada. Oh, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, two hours north. So to think that somebody kind of in your area would want to move to Cleveland, Ohio, it would be like, why? Right. Um, if you had spoken to me like five years ago about like, oh, so-and-so wants to move to Portland, Maine, I'd be like, what? Why? Um, but after the year that I spent in Boston, I went up to Portland um, for a weekend and I was like, I could move here quite happily. Um, yeah, it's a nice place. And I would never I, yeah. And I would never have had that like outlook unless I had been around people who spoke highly of it and then went and visited it and things like that. But, you know, so I'm guessing there's some people in the like distant areas of Michigan that maybe are like Detroit's the place for me. And we just aren't hearing it because we're not around those people. Look at you. I have you a hard everything down the Rhine line. You know that? <laughs> You're like a volley, but you're volley, we're volleying back and forth. You volley back with yourself, I feel like. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because I often am like, here's an idea. And then afterwards, I'm like, here's the opposite idea to that idea. <laughs> okay. So here's what I'm going to bring back. What I was going to say is, what is what is this volleying idea of cancel culture? Have you talked about this with other people? Ugh. <laughs> oh, um, no. So... I have talked about it briefly. I've never gotten into like a big discussion about it, but um, there's parts about it that I like, um, which is that technically it's holding people accountable for their actions. That's kind of all that it is, which is like, no, we're not going to give you the time and space to like, you know, have the power to say these things because we're not putting up with them. Right. Which I think is fantastic. Like, people should be held accountable for the things that they say. Um, However, I think that it also doesn't allow for growth Mm -hmm. or um, understanding. So for instance, um, the example that I always jump to in this conversation is um, when Kevin Hart was chosen to be the um, host for the Oscars Tweets were found from like six years prior or something ridiculously far away like that, um, that were pretty homophobic. Um, they weren't like directly like, um, you know, LGBTQ people are going to hell. Like they weren't like that. It was, he was making fun of his son, I think for like wanting a dollhouse or something like that. Um, and I agree, like it's kind of icky. Right. Um, however, he then said, he was like, I understand that that was wrong. And I like apologize for that 
having been said. However, if you look at everything between then and now, I don't say those things anymore. I don't engage in comedy that is in that vein. So I've grown and I've learned that that's not acceptable and I am actively engaging in that not being acceptable. And I think that that is what is important about cancel culture is that we allow people to be like, hey, we're, we're holding you accountable for this, fix it. But we need to be able to allow people to fix it. Um, whereas what's kind of happening is somebody says something and it's like, you're canceled. And then it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, okay. But like, I'd also like the opportunity to defend myself or to say I'm sorry, um, or to acknowledge that I did something wrong and pledge to do it better moving forward. Um, and then if they don't improve or don't fix it, then it's like, all right, you're no longer, we're no longer giving you the time or space to, um, have a say, you know, publicly, we're not buying your product anymore. Um, those kind of things, um, I think is really important. Like for instance, um, I don't buy, um, sandwiches from Jimmy John's because the owner is a big game hunter. Um, so like lions and elephants and giraffes and things like that. Um, and when he was like, caught, I guess. Um, and it was published that he was doing it. He was like, yeah, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to fund this guy's hunting trips. Um, so technically I quote unquote canceled him. Um, but because he kind of said, was like, this is what I'm doing and I don't care. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like give you space to do that in my world. Um, so you did it in a way that we used to do it like when I was growing up is like, if you didn't like something like that, you just, you just didn't purchase it, you know, or you didn't watch it. Whereas today it's like, there's a level of, there's a level of like vindictiveness to it where it's like, let's take that same situation. I mean, there's not even a Jimmy John's around here, but let's say there was, I don't like that practice either. What that guy's doing. I just wouldn't buy the sandwiches, you know, but then you have a whole element of people who will go, how do we punish this guy for this? Let's not mm-hmm. only not buy the sandwiches, but let's make his life a living hell. Let's get online. Let's write the worst Yelp reviews about this thing. Let's talk about his family. Let's try to destroy him for that. Yeah, That's where I draw the line. I'm like, listen, I think it's terrible what that guy did. But mm-hmm. taking it, I just won't buy his product. Like, you know, so what? If a bunch of people stop buying something, stop looking at something, eventually that can make an effect. But it, this cancel culture of like, let's be devious with it. Let's mm-hmm. try to destroy this. Per- literally, let's try to destroy them and their image. Mm-hmm. That I just think is evil. I, I'm not into that. Yeah. And I think the there is also a fine line because if if your purpose for yourself is to fight big game hunting, then simply not buying his sandwiches is not enough, right? Um, Now, I don't think that now suddenly when you attack his children, like, I don't think that's appropriate because what does that have to do with big game hunting, 
Right. Right. But if you um, research, um, you know, the business that he uses to take the trips to Africa to kill those animals, and then you post on their like Yelp review, like this is the company that allowed the owner of Jimmy John's to do big game hunting, you know, and you put that in a Yelp review. I'm like, if that's your thing, that's fine. As long as you're sticking to the issue at hand, as soon as we don't stick to the issue at hand, I think that's when it gets um, dirty because then it's not, it's no longer about the behavior that you don't like. It's now suddenly about their kid goes to a private school in New York and they get out at 3 p.m., go there and... Yeah, you know, that's what I mean. Like, like whoa. <laughs> people like, go to weird levels, man. Yeah, like I want to cancel that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Um, like, I feel like people take things and, and especially because it's online with a lot of things, they they uh, exhibit behaviors they would never exhibit in person when they tried if they were quote unquote canceling somebody. If you had to cancel somebody to their face for things, most of the people uh, wouldn't have the guts to do that stuff at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think this also kind of relates to the thing that we spoke about last time, which is like the nervousness about um what did I say? Um yeah. and I think it and I kind of said the part that's nerve wracking about it is not being able to defend yourself. Um, and I think that's kind of part of it is that like, um, well, and that's why doxing is so dangerous. So doxing is when you like find the personal information of someone and you like leak it into the, onto the internet. Um, because there was, somebody who was misidentified on the internet as someone who had done something racist and somebody found that guy's information and posted it on the internet. And he started getting um, like death threats and like harassing phone calls and things like that. And he was like, I am not that person. I was in a meeting at work when this happened. Yeah. Um, but by the time he was able to defend himself it had already gone viral. His information had already gone viral. And so I think that's the fear of putting something out there that you can't immediately respond to is what's going to happen between the time that I say this and the time that I can respond to something. Um, yeah. And with cancel culture, it happens so quickly because people don't get the chance to defend themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm all for people growing and like letting them, you know, there are people who have done terrible things and they've grown from it and they've actually become wonderful people over a long period of time. But if you don't allow that to happen, how, how would you know if they were capable of becoming a better human being for that? Mm -hmm. Like there's yeah. plenty of examples of people like think about uh, like a Michael Vick, you know, who got convicted for the dog fighting. Back in the day, it was a mm -hmm. big story. Now, the Michael Vick that exists today is an extremely different human being than the Michael Vick who was convicted. Like, this is one of the great turnarounds in human behavior and a huge champion uh, for PETA, you know, pets, and uh, is, is, is probably a better spokesperson for that stuff than most people who are super passionate about it at this point. Uh -huh. There has much, how much. 
But if if people would have canceled Michael Vick immediately, would he have had the chance to actually turn his life around and become an advocate for these things? You know, it's I kind of other thing is like, okay, we need we there are many terrible things that happen and that need to have consequences for them that are appropriate for that. You know, mm-hmm. for him, he served time in Leavenworth prison. That's, that can't be a, a cakewalk. I can't imagine that's a cakewalk, you know. But then, you know, then to spend all the time, you know, afterwards really repairing his image sincerely. If we just yeah. cancel the guy, he wouldn't become this great example of turning your life around. And I think some, mm-hmm. we're so quick to just destroy people's images off, off of things that they've done. And like, you are not the worst thing that you've done. You are not that. You, you can become uh-huh. something greater than that. But people have to allow for that. And listen, there are heinous things that, hey, these you need to just, we need to go hard on this type of thing. But not uh-huh. everything, you know, if a manager comes to you at a restaurant and he had a bad day and maybe he wasn't as, as nice as you would like the manager to be. You shouldn't destroy mm-hmm. that guy's image and be like, this this place is garbage and let's get 40 people to destroy this restaurant. But like, dude, had a bad day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, we totally. don't give anybody chances, man. You know? Yeah. And I also think there's a fine line there as well, right? Which is like, if the manager does something that's like pretty awful, like sure. if he- it's super sexist or something like that. And maybe it's just because he's having a bad day. But if he does that, I also believe that people should be required to take on the um, the consequences of their actions. I agree now, with that. I think if consequence, like sometimes consequences deserve to be limited or end, right? Um Yeah, I. I'm thinking of stuff like this, just minor, like literally, like that stuff you're telling me. I totally get that. This is like the minor stuff. Like I've seen this on Yelp, where like they're like, "Well, the manager, he just didn't smile a lot, and he just seemed to be in a bad mood," and they just attack him like one star. I'm like, what did that have to do with the food? I know. (laughs) I'm like, this, this seems very warped mindset like the the stuff that you're saying totally you should fight for that but we're Uh canceling people who have like really minor things like they just maybe weren't as chipper as you wanted them to be like that's crazy to me that's nuts i know i know i completely agree um yeah we we're very demanding of others and very forgiving of ourselves yeah like if you had that happen to you wouldn't you want a little grace like, of course, yeah, if you were sexist and you were doing ridiculous things, get after it, man. This is not a place you should be. This should not be a business that's open. But let's just say, come on, I many people have had this experience. We've been at a restaurant and your server has not exactly been the nicest person. Like they didn't really weren't chatting with you. You could tell they don't mm-hmm. like their job. But that doesn't mean you should yeah. destroy them. I mean, come totally. on. Yeah. It gets me fired up, yeah, man. I just, I'm sick of this much. behavior. Yeah, destroying is way too much. Leaving a Yelp review that said, like, service was bad, that's fine, because the service was bad. Um, right. <laughs> but being like, the service was bad, and I hope this 
business burns to the ground. Like it's like okay, <laughs> like, people do that though, gotta- Haley. They say weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, people really do, but people also really like feeling important, and so they find ways to do it. And online, there's what's the consequence if you say something really terrible, like really terrible? What happens to you if you do well, these that? These days, you if get the, stuff for huh? free. <laughs> <laughs> like I one time, I got on one of those like Lime scooters, and um, it wasn't working, and so I like kind of tripped and it like cut my ankle, and I was like bleeding like crazy, and so I like took a photo of it and I tweeted it, and I was like. Um, darn it. This is what I get for trying to do something kitschy, like using a lime scooter. That was all I said. And I got a response like 15 minutes later. It was like, sorry that your experience wasn't great. Please contact us here so we can make it right. And they refunded like my like attempt at that ride. And then they also gave me like a $20 like bonus to use moving forward. And I was like, like, okay, like I'll take it. Like, Thing. I would have been happy with just the refund because I didn't even get to use the scooter. But like, yeah. I didn't even say like, like, screw Lime. You know, I literally just was like, yeah. oh, this is what I get for trying to do this thing. And they were like, here's free stuff. <laughs> and I was like, Remi- okay, well, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, kind of like I was listening to this podcast with this guy, David Cho was on. I guess he's like a painter, a very well-known painter and illustrator. He's had a lot of problems in his life. And he was like, you know, he said he was struggling with living because he said, when I do good things and I go on the straight and narrow, nobody seems to care. He said, but when I act crazy and do outrageous things, I get a Netflix special. I get a million dollar art show. He was like, it's so messed up the way the world works. Like if you do bad stuff and it's very scandalous and stuff, I feel like I'm getting rewarded for being bad. And Uh I thought it was so strange when he said that. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know? Yeah, no, it's the way things are reinforced in our culture is, is tough. And we're reinforcing lying now. Now we're reinforcing like the consequences of lying have have gone down tremendously in my opinion. So you could tell lot lies are just power now. They're just power moves. They don't the truth doesn't matter to a lot of people anymore. It's like how can I lie to create a groundswell of controversy or public discourse or opinions and create clicks. So it's almost like we have made lying normal at this point. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's disgusting to me, actually. I agree. And I think that goes back to like our earlier conversation of like, schools aren't teaching people how to think they're teaching people what to think. And so as soon as somebody says, like, here's the truth, and I have no evidence for that, people are like, great, that's what I'll think now. As opposed to when you're taught how to think, you say like, okay, I understand that. But is there anything else that contradicts that? Um, and I have found like, if I get into like discussions on the internet and someone is like, here's this article on the information that I'm talking about, I will sometimes go to it and be like, Hey, I didn't know that. Like I'll, you know, I'm actually intrigued by this and this and this. And they're like, Oh, really? (laughs) It's like, yeah, like I'm not, 
I'm not here to like be right. I'm here to like have a discussion about this thing. Um, and that doesn't happen anymore. So when it does happen, it shocks people. It's like we're going for this boom blast. You know, it's kind of like, look what I said. And like, I got away with it. And it's just, it's just strange because I feel this disconnect where like, we will allow lying from people who have status, whatever, but like you would never allow that level of lying with your child and mm -hmm. you're, you're every day. You'd be like, Oh, don't, don't exhibit these behaviors. Tell the truth. Don't lie. Back up your sources and all that. But if it, you know, it could come from some weird person out there who is considered popular and they could lie and everybody's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's just, they're, that's just so-and-so they're crazy. You know? Yeah. It's, it's become yeah. normal. I just like, where are we going with this? I know. Well, especially if we, again, bring in something we spoke about earlier, which is social media, there is this natural um, tendency to put on a front or an image. And like, that's the story that you're telling people, um, you know, so kind of like, Oh, went to this great party when really like you got dressed up and then took a photo and then got back in your sweats and watched TV. <laughs> um, and the toll that that must take on an individual to be like, I'm people think I'm having this great life, but I'm lying about it. Um, but then also, I think sometimes people kind of lie to themselves. Like if I have this great picture of camping this weekend, then when people are like, wow, it looks like so much fun. I convinced myself that it was fun. But in the meantime, I realized like I hated it the whole time. And I don't actually even like being in the outdoors, yeah. but you know, people say it looked like fun and I posted a cute photo and got a lot of likes. So it must've been fun. Um, you know, it's kind of creating a story is more important than speaking to what's actually happening. Think but about if you did this, right? Yeah. Say that Think again. about like when I was growing up, let's say like take going to the movies, right? I love going to the movies. Love it. Now let's say I go to the movies and I stand in the middle of the movie theater. Let's not the, the lobby of the movie theater. And I shout, everybody here, I'm going to the movies. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm going to the movies. Everybody be like, are you crazy? Or you go, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, if we go to movie theaters and you're in casinos. So this is a very, most people don't have this experience. But let's just say you're in the middle of the casino floor. The movie theater's at the end. You go, I'm going to the movie theaters. I just want <laughs> everybody in here. I don't know most of you people. I'm going to the movie theaters. I'm going to watch this movie. They'd be like, get the hell out of here. What is this? <laughs> that's basically what you're doing when you're doing that stuff online. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, move about, do your business. I don't need to know that, you know? Yeah. But I think you and I are different than the average Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but think about would you like, if that's the concept of what we're living with is like people are just like you said, camping, like imagine that same person who's sending out those pictures and you said, you know what, instead of sending me that picture, I want you to go to the other campsite I want you to go to the general store. I want you to tell everybody there that you are there to camp. I'm camping. <laughs> They're like, that's what you do here. Duh. They're like, so why are you telling me? That's what you're doing. People, if you're listening to this and you're sending out all this stuff, like 
Nobody cares that you went to this restaurant. They don't care. And if they do care that much, you got to think, why do they care so much about me going to a restaurant? You know what this is a modern version of? Um, There was like a trope in um, sitcoms about like, oh, you know, Nancy and Peter Johnson invited us over for dinner to look at their vacation photos. And it was always the, oh, how can we get out of it? And that's what this, what the way you were describing it was reminding me. It's like, that's kind of what it is now. It's like, I went here and I went here and I went here. So funny. It's so true. I mean, I definitely do it to an extent too. Um, I'm still a millennial, Um, (laughs) but. You've got the millennial gene in you. It's strong. (laughs) (laughs) It's well, because I have, um, uh, like two separate Instagrams. I have like my personal one. And then I have one that's just photos from my travels. Um, and the like statement on the one for my travel says, um, I have a habit of experiencing rather than recording that I'm experiencing. Um, which is so true when it comes to me, like I'll come back from vacations and people will be like, you didn't really post photos. And I was like, I know I was too busy doing it. Um, and so I do think I'm different in that way, but also I'm enough of a millennial to like have an Instagram for photos from my travels. <laughs> like I'm, I'm being pulled on both sides of this equation. So funny. I have people tell used to tell me this. They used to be like, look, I don't have Facebook, any of that stuff. And they'd be like, I put my vacation pictures on Facebook. I'm like, I'm not on there. And I'm like, and we're close friends. Why don't you just send them to me personally? Like, just text them to me or something. And they're like, oh, just- I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why, why do I need to go to some third-party source to see your vacation pictures when you can just send them to me directly? We're friends. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this I, when that started happening, that's when I knew. I was like, this is getting crazy, man. I'm like... You know, I have a group of friends, like four guy friends, and we share nothing on the internet of what we talk about, of what we do, ever. Uh It only gets shared between us four guys, ever. Mm -hmm. We had this whole rule, nothing leaves the vault of our four people. So you would never know anything that we do, ever, because we it doesn't get posted, it doesn't get talked about, except among the people who have had the shared experience. And I try to tell that to young people. I'm like, you need to, who does it matter the most? If you're sharing this experience, share it with those folks like that. You know, like there's some things that other people don't need to know about your life. Your life is not a a 24 hour reality show. Like keep some of, keep it to yourself, man. Like actually nobody cares that much about your life. A Gen Zer would be like, um, what are you in the Illuminati? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am in the what Illuminati. I, think? <laughs> um, I think our like this insistence on like privacy, um, which I totally get and I totally feel that way. I just don't think they have that same um, uh, like value. I like I I. Yeah, it's like shocking to me that like pe- like 
that people post where they are at all times. And I'm like, doesn't it freak you out that people know where you are at all times? And they're like, no, not really. I'm like, all right, well. Really? Okay. <laughs> remember Foursquare? Do you remember Foursquare, that whole thing? Vaguely. Okay, probably not. Uh, but this was like a check-in app. So basically, you just checked in to wherever you went. And I remember I used it one time, and then I looked at my wife. I said, this is a security issue, man. If people uh -huh. know where I'm at at all times, seriously, there's some crazy people in this world, man. And they were like, you know what? I know exactly where Darian is. I know exactly when he's not at home. I'm going to go rob yeah. his house. I'm going to go. Totally. I'm going to go. If I, if I got a vendetta against this guy, I'm going to go to the restaurant where he is, and I'm going to wait outside. See, people don't think like that, man. I'm telling you. I'm not trying to make people paranoid, but I'm saying like, Nobody should know your every move. You have given people yeah. leverage on how, mm -hmm. on your life. You don't want to give people that leverage, man. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of um, things how like viral trends are used to gather information. So for instance, there was this viral trend for a while that was like, um, like a decade of change. And you post a photo of yourself 10 years ago. And you post a photo of yourself now and it like everyone was doing it. And I read an article that was like, this was clearly started by somebody who is trying to gather information on like age progression for um, like AI kind of stuff, which Ooh. I don't know that that's so obvious, but also when I read that, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense to me. And then I also like, we'll see things on the internet that's like, um, go to the like the gif app and type in your birth year and post the first gif that pops up and people do it and i'm like you literally just gave away a piece of personal information they just need to find out what year leads to that gif and now they know what year you were born and they probably know your name because that's on your profile like suddenly like they're halfway to like figuring out more information about you yeah, I, I think it's a life at this point. You have to like, you control what you want out there. If you want to control what you want out there, you have to be, I want my podcast out there. I'm purposeful about that. I want good, positive conversations, thoughtful conversations. I want the things that I'm doing uh, on LinkedIn and my business and things. I want that out there. But mm -hmm. that's what I want. And that's what you're going to look up and see about me. But generally speaking, I've become much more paranoid about this. I mean, I'm on, I'm using DuckDuckGo, Brave, VPN services. I'm tired of people taking my information and selling it and using it, and I'm not getting anything from that. I'm done yeah. with that. I've, I'm really uh -huh. going hardcore on this stuff now because I'm like, you know, this is my identity. This is my information, and I don't mm -hmm. want it taken. So I've been, I've been big into that stuff now. Yeah. Whereas I fall more on the um, like more lenient side of like, I don't want my very specific personal information out there, but I don't care if their Google is listening to me so that they can do targeted ads. I'm like, cool, whatever. I don't care. Um, so I kind of fall in a little bit more lenient there. Um, but also I'm like, I don't want you to know my birth year and my, yeah. you know, social security number. Um that oh, actually man. reminds me, I always like to leave you with comedy. So there's a um, comedian, Kyle Ayers, and I've definitely mentioned him before, but um, his last name is A-Y-E-R-S. 
search his set on Conan and just watch it. It will make sense when you watch it, how it relates. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Just watch it. <laughs> no, because it ruins it if I tell you. Okay. And half the I fun of that. comedy is the surprise. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So well, Kyle Ayers, um Conan set. Awesome. Haley, always a pleasure speaking with you. I know we'll be you speaking well. again. Always thoughtful. I always provide good insight. And, uh, and uh, I just appreciate you spending time with me. I agree. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Bye. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine. And when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences. And it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.